In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the podcast Southern Fried Soccer. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. It's Wednesday night here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Atlanta United was knocked out of the U.S. Open Cup by Chicago one to nothing. It's the second consecutive year that the five stripes have been eliminated in the fifth round. Uh, this performance was a little bit different than last year's, and I'll get into that in a second. First, I want to introduce my guest who uh, was back on the radio and could find his way back to me for this podcast <laughs> Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and SoccerDownHere.com. I'm not having to cross uh, the whole stadium in Columbus and a stage and all the, the craziness and in excuses, uh, excuses, Stadium. Excuses, excuses, Yes, my assistants did not uh, help me out with that one, so no. I, I'm back, though. Uh, tonight's performance by Atlanta United, I think, was probably one of the flattest that I've seen since maybe... DC United, two games at DC United last year. I didn't think there was a whole lot of chemistry in the attack. I didn't think that the kind of one-two passes uh, worked very frequently. I thought that the passes to runs and runs to passes weren't connecting. Either the run would stop and the pass would be made, or the pass wouldn't be made and the run would go. Just all in all, just a very un-Atlanta United-like performance tonight. Yeah, um... First half was disjointed, I think, both ways. Uh, I think early on, both teams were kind of trying to find their way into the match. Uh, Atlanta United did first, and I thought they had the better of the play in the first part of the first half, and then Chicago took over. And they had Atlanta on the ropes for a little while in the first half, but neither team really was all that dangerous in the first 45. And then you get into the second half, and... For me, Chicago jumped out on the front foot quicker, and you look at the goal that they scored. It was a, a brilliant team goal all the way around. It's a, a ball out of the back after she, after she breaks through it. Uh, long diagonal to Alexander Katai, who's one-on-one with Mikey Ambrose, who's recovering, and Ambrose is forcing Katai inside, and we've seen Alexander Katai in his left foot. He has no fear in taking a shot from 25 yards, which is around where he was. Uh, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez stepped out to challenge, and everything got stretched. Wheeler Amanu was unable to close down the space. Katai slips it uh, square to Bastian Schweinsteiger. Then Salzizo's trying to recover as everything's getting bent out of shape. Luis Solniak makes the run behind him. Perfect ball from Schweinsteiger. They can't block the cross, and it's a tap-in for Nikolic. It was the one time there was a defensive breakdown in the entire match. That is accurate. Uh, and Atlanta United could not break down Chicago. Uh, Martino went with a starting 11 that's consistent with how he has approached the U.S. Open Cup. 
Um, I think that knowing or expecting Chicago was going to field a strong 11, which is what he said in this press conference, I'm a little bit surprised that he only used uh, maybe three consistent starters that he uses in league play, especially for a home game, especially when they're going to set an attendance record, uh, which was 41,012, a new U.S. Open Cup attendance record. I was a little bit surprised that, especially considering he used Gressel and Barco the last time, that he waited until the 62nd minute, I think it was, uh, to bring them in this time. Um, And even then, Barco really didn't do a whole lot. And Gressel put in a a couple of good crosses, which he does, but the the offense just couldn't get anything going. One thing on the subs, and, and it was eight minutes after the goal, you'd like it to be a little bit sooner. Uh, I did. I do remember, and I have to go back and watch, there was an extended period of time that the ball stayed in, Chicago kept possession, that Barco and Gressel were, were up at the midfield stripe ready to come in. It was a longer period than usual, you know, mm-hmm. when you see somebody yeah. make, ready to make the sub. So a couple minutes sooner they would have come in, which is, is about right after you give up that goal and you have to make a change and you have to, to change things up. What was frustrating watching it from an Atlanta United perspective is that it took that goal to see a spark outside of Tito Vichalba, who I thought was, yeah, was a hard Kahn worker said that consistently. To us, that he doesn't know why it took until they got scored on for them to show a spark. Yeah, it was weird in the first half and, and early into the second where I thought the team was trying to force the ball down the left side with Vasquez playing on the left, which he hasn't done a ton yeah. in his Atlanta United career. And I thought he really struggled tonight. Yeah, Martino mentioned Vasquez playing on the left, I think, before the Charleston game in the fourth round. And we all kind of raised an eyebrow because Vasquez is almost always played on the right. Right. Um, so to play him on the left, he's not left-footed. Uh, yeah, he struggled. I thought Romario Williams really struggled tonight. His touch was just not good at all. And Viaba do, did what Viaba does. If he can go in straight lines, he's fine. If he has to try to put a move on somebody that involves a quick feed and a little bit of you know trickery, it doesn't work a lot. I'm going to disagree with Jan Vishalba because I thought there were multiple times that he was able to cut back uh, a couple shots were blocked. Straight line. A um, couple cross. No, a cutback. No, it, it's it's using the straight line speed and then cutting back. I mean, is Tito Vishalba the same type of dribbler as Almiron or Barco? No, he's not. He's He's got explosive speed, and he's kind of, if we're going to go old school, you know, American comparison, it's Kobe Jones. I mean, Kobe had one move. Kobe had the little, like, draw you in, slip the ball by you, and take off running. Mm-hmm. Tito has a little bit more the than Michael that. Michael Owen. But, hey, it's effective. Yeah, I mean, when it works, it works. Now, Vijaba did play defense well tonight. I've, he was, knocked, he was I've knocked him before for his defense. He played strong defense tonight. He he made one play in the uh, first half yeah, where it's a 60-yard sprint. Yeah. He cuts off Solniak, Solniak, and then he takes off on a 60-yard run the other way right. with the ball at his feet no, and nearly puts Almarone in with an outside of the right foot pass. That was a great play. I thought Vasquez was the weak link tonight. I didn't think it was Williams as much as Vasquez. I thought every time the team tried to play through Vasquez or found him in a dangerous spot, it broke down. He's not where he was last year at this point. He's had injuries. But this is something, watching the the second team, that it's been that way there too. 
and that's why I was a little surprised he got the start tonight. If you're going by current form and you're including the second team in that conversation, Andrew Carlton should have started tonight. I wouldn't disagree with you on that. Um, so another uh, opportunity gone for a first trophy mm-hmm. uh, for Atlanta United. And it's uh, you know probably a shame this year because it was going to be a fairly easier path, at least to the title game. Uh, on the opposite side of their bracket were two USL teams. Louisville beat Nashville 2-1. to one. And then you either were going to get to play D.C., Philadelphia, or Orlando, none of which really strikes fear into, into an opponent. No. Um, but it just didn't happen tonight. Uh, so Atlanta United bows out again, one to nothing, uh, to Chicago on the goal by Nemanja Nikolic in the 54th minute. Pretty easy goal for him. Uh, Atlanta United will return to Mercedes-Benz on Sunday, uh, where it will host Portland. Uh, which This is going to sound really odd. They are unbeaten in eight, but they're still just in sixth in the Western Conference because they started off winless in their first five. Yeah, they were on the road for a long stretch at the beginning <laughs> yeah. while uh, Providence Park was being worked on. But that's going to be a pretty big game. Atlanta United has lost three of four, I think, at home. Mm-hmm. Now, right. three of their past four at home. And really just, in my opinion, haven't looked particularly good. Um, I'm going to be curious to see if Barco and Gressel start on Sunday. I imagine they will. Barco, to me, the past three or four games has looked really flat. Um he got a goal in the Open Cup, but it was on a penalty kick, I think. Um, it was. He's just like really flat the past three or four games. And, and Viaba looked pretty good tonight. I, I wonder if Viaba might get the start and bring Barco off the bench and, and just try to figure out maybe what's going on with him. I would like to see Barco get more time in the middle of the field. And it's hard to make that happen because Miguel Almiron has been so effective there. Um, I don't know what happens to the team dynamic if you played Almiron out wide on the left and Barco as a 10. Uh, you know, we've seen Barco, I think, struggle a little bit here lately with that second gear. And I'm wondering how much the conditioning and the changes in conditioning for him with a late preseason, then the injury, then the layoff, then coming straight back into playing. If he's kind of hitting that wall that you do at times early in a season, it's just happening for him later. And he's got to play through it. He's got to figure out his way through it. It's either reducing his minutes for a little bit right now until he gets there with his fitness, or it's trying to put him in a position where you're not asking him to do as much. And if you put him in as a 10 and you're letting him pick passes out, maybe that's it. I don't know. I think Tito Vishalba needs to be in this lineup because tonight – he was the one who was giving you a spark in the first half when no one else was. He plays with, I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna call it, he plays with cojones. I mean, he just does, and he gives you that lift. And it's it's impossible when you see him make a sixty yard run back defensively to not work. You have to work when you see your teammate doing that. I think Tito gives you that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I would. I mean, the one thing I would like to see Barco do is just shoot the dang ball. He's constantly getting, you know, in between 18 and 22 yards out on that right foot, and he just won't pull the string. And he said, I can remember this plain as day. I had the very first interview with Barco of anybody in Atlanta, 
uh, at the training center in Florida, at Champions mm-hmm. Gate, Florida. And he said, I like to cut in on my right and shoot. I don't think I've seen him do that, but maybe a couple of times uh, this whole season. I, I'd like to see Barco, and, and maybe it's just the process that young players go through when they integrate into a new team. Remember, at Independiente, he was the man. Everything went through Ezekiel Barco at Independiente. They played to him. They found him on the field. Here, that's not the case. You're looking for Miguel. You're looking for Joseph. I think you're looking for Tito or Julian more than you're playing through Barco and forcing the ball through Barco. I think he needs to, in some ways, not be so deferential to his teammates. I'd like to see him force things a little more and take those shots when he has that chance instead of thinking he has to lay it off. We know he has it in him. We've seen it with Independiente. We saw it at the Maracanã in big moments. He doesn't have fear, but I think he's trying to fit into the team. Maybe he's trying a little bit too hard to fit in as opposed to playing. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, we'll see. Well, we're going to wrap this up here. Jason, what do you have coming up? Uh, an overreaction Thursday, and I'm sure there will be lots of overreactions <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, go ahead and start tweeting them at us at Soccer Down Here. Uh, we start at 9 o'clock, 9 to 11, blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here, and then it goes out as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, all of your networks. And uh, be back here Sunday. All right. I'll have a um, – I've already posted a game story with quotes and my player ratings. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the player ratings out there. Um, I'll post a little follow tomorrow morning on uh, what does Atlanta United turn its attention to now, which is pretty obvious, the league. That's the only thing left. Um, But that's it for tonight. Atlanta United falls to Chicago 1-0 in the fifth round of the U.S. Open Cup on a goal by Nemanja Nikolic in the 54th minute. Uh, For the second consecutive year, Atlanta United bows out of the tournament in the fifth round. And it will host Portland on Sunday at 4.30 here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Y'all take care. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll subscribe to this uh, podcast on iTunes. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.